you. So starting August, our office will be here. This room will be our new office for the next two years during the entire construction phase. So on the fourth day, and then I'll bring God's word to you. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for life. Life is a gift from you. And when we acknowledge and recognize and realize that life is a gift from you, uh, we will be very willing to share it. So thank you for today. Thank you for so many things in our lives. We want to learn to give you thanks. We want to complain less and whine less. Uh, we want to thank you for everything because we have been blessed, blessed, blessed beyond measure. Help us, dear Lord, not to allow our blessings to become a problem and uh, help us to learn to count our blessings and be willing to share with those around us. Thank you. Be with us as we uh, listen to your word, as I preach your word. Be among us and give us a mind that we want to learn and grow so that we can become more Christ-like. We thank you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Today is supposed to be Pastor Bruce as preaching, uh, but he's still in uh, Queensland. His brother-in-law passed away, so uh, he went up there to attend a funeral, and he'll be driving back tomorrow morning, and will be arriving here on Wednesday. So today I fill in and preach a, a topical sermon on the mystery of unanswered prayer. I forgot to announce, uh, Sharon just came to me and said that... Uh, after service, you'll be going around asking you to pay up for $15 if you sign up for the, for the uh, uh, Christmas in July. Uh, you sign up, you must pay it up. Otherwise, they cater the food. Then who is going to bring back? So if you sign up, please pay it up. If you don't pay up, she'll come after you. So, uh, so I'm going to preach from a, a, a topical sermon called The Mystery of Unanswered Prayer. The Mystery of Unanswered Prayer. We all pray. But uh, what about when, you, when your prayers are unanswered? How are we going to cope with unanswered prayer? Oscar Wilde, an Irish uh, playwright, uh, he has some very unconventional wisdom uh, that is uh, quite interesting. He likes to twist it, but when you really look at it, it's a bit of wisdom in there. He said, he said one of it, he said, he said, true friends step you in the front. He said, true friends step you in the front, meaning to say that true friends always speak truth to you. Uh, it stabs you in the front. Maybe difficult to accept, uh, but true friend always there to speak truth to you. And so people who speak truth are people who are uh, really care for you in that sense. He has another quote that says, When the gods wish to punish us, they answer our prayers. Think of that. When the gods wish to punish us, they answer our prayers. Because, I think when you really think about it, the, the wisdom is that sometimes what we ask are so finite, so little. So, if, if God really answers all of our prayers, we'll be in trouble. We probably won't get the best. If you give everything to your children who ask of you, then your children will be in trouble. No parents give everything to their children if they ask for it. Because their asking is so small. Imagine kids ask for McDonald's meals every morning. Uh, I, I, I sincerely wish that no parents would grant their wish every time. Uh, so when the gods wish to punish us, they answer our prayer because our finite mind is so few. But unanswered prayers are serious things that Christians wrestle with. 
really wrestled with. Uh, Ted Turner, who is the founder of CNN, Cable Network News, who has won several awards and was the Time Magazine 1991 Man of the Year. Did you know that during his youth, at 17 years old, he wanted to be a missionary? But by the age of 20, he actually gave up his faith altogether. He gave up his faith because uh, when he was 20 years old, his 17-year-old daughter, uh, uh, sister, Mary Jane Turner, uh, died after having suffered for five years from lupus disease. And as Turner watched Mary Jane, his own sister, suffer and die, despite countless prayers to God for healing, he decided that there was really no God. He said, if God is there, he would answer my prayer and heal my sister. But the fact that he allowed my sister to die, even though he has the power to do something about it, and he refused, means that there was no God. And then, and then he, he said she used to run around in pain, begging God to let her die. My family broke apart. I thought, how could God let my sister suffer so much? I prayed and nothing happened. When some people told me it was God's will, he described his rejection of God. This interpretation that is just his will. I just can't get enthusiastic about that. I began to lose my faith. And the more I lost it, the better I felt. His father eventually killed himself by firing a bullet into his own brain. Renounce religion. If that's the type of God he is, I want nothing to do with him. Unanswered prayer. It's a serious thing. There's a cartoon, probably you can't read from here, uh, by Calvin and Hobbes. says this, If I was in charge, we'll never see grass between October and May. Come on, by the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Snow! You look up to heaven. Snow, I want snow. I say, snow, come on, snow, snow. And then nothing happened. He said, okay then. Don't snow. See what I, see what I care. I like this weather. Let's have it forever. But that's not really true. It's just in defiant, you know. And then he said, please, snow, please, just a foot. Nothing happened. Okay, eight inches. That's all I'm asked for. All right, all right, come on, six inches. How about just six inches? I'm waiting. Ah, screaming. And then this is the conclusion. Do you want me to become an atheist? Do you want me to become an atheist? God, you... Do you want me to become an atheist? You know, many Christians feel just like that little boy, only they have prayed for things much more important than a few inches of snow. But the end result has been the same, and in their frustration and despair, they have cried out to God, do you want me to become an atheist? Some of them have, like Ted Turner, most heaven, but they keep the pain inside, still believing as best as they can in a God who sometimes answers prayer, and sometimes doesn't answer prayer. C.S. Lewis, famous for writing the book Mere Christianity, he also wrote a book called A Grief Observed. He wrote that book because for many years of his life he was single. 
until the age of 58, he found the love of his life. But only for a very short while. After four years, his wife died of cancer. And, and after that, he wrote this book called A Grief Observed. This is what he said. He said, not that I am in danger, not that I am in much danger of ceasing to believe in God, like what Kevin, Calvin is saying, no, you want me to be an atheist? He said, no, 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 I'm, I'm not interested in that. I have conquered that, I have overcome that, I believe there's God. He said, not that I'm in much danger of ceasing to believe in God. The real danger is coming to believe such dreadful things about Him. The conclusion I drag is not, so there's no God after all, but, so this is what God is really like. Deceive yourself no longer. Louis mentions the times he and his wife had prayed for a cure. What they got was wrong diagnosis, false hopes, strange remissions, and even one astonishing recovery. But it was only temporary. And the God who held Joy Lewis in his hands did fearful things with those hands. And this is what he says, Step by step, we were led up the garden path. Time after time, when he seems most gracious, he was preparing the next torture. I wrote that last night. It was yell. It was a yell rather than a torch. But of course, he went on and confronted his doubts and came out and emerged even stronger. Unanswered prayers are, are all in the Bible. If you read your Bible, you know there were many, many prayers in the Bible that were unanswered. Moses pleaded with God to let him enter into the promised land. Can you imagine leading the people in the desert for 40 years but actually didn't get to enter the promised land? He pleaded with God, but he didn't get his answer. King David spent a week prostrate, prostrate, praying and fasting that his infant son would be born, would be spared from death. But God didn't answer his prayer. Jeremiah, along with Habakkuk, prayed that Jerusalem would not be destroyed by the Babylonian. <clears throat> but the armies of Israel prayed, prayed and prayed, only to suffer humiliating defeats by the, by the Babylonians. Paul prayed, remember in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, that he prayed that the Lord would remove the thorn in his flesh. But God didn't answer his prayer. And even Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane prayed to remove the cup of suffering from me. His prayer was also not answered. So what I'm going to do is I want to... <coughs> Sorry, I want to give you four points on unanswered prayer, and then I want to give you three points. What should we do when our prayers are unanswered? The first point is very important. You have to embed it deep into your heart as a non-negotiable truth. First one, the unavoidable truth concerning unanswered prayer is God isn't slow. He is patient. Please distinguish the difference between slow and patient. God is patient. God is not slow. Yeah, somebody is slow. 
Somebody is impatient. Somebody is patient, but God is patient. He's not slow. He can act anytime, but He is very patient. Lamentation 3 said, The Lord is good to those who wait for Him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul who seeks Him. Right throughout the scripture, many, many saints of God waited. Noah waited for how long? <coughs> how long did Noah wait for? 120 years. Abraham, from the time God revealed to him that he would have his descendant at 75 years old, how long did he wait for? 25 years. 25 years before Isaac came. Jacob waited for 20 years. Joseph, at 17 years old, had a dream. And how long before he became prime minister? What age? 30 years old. He waited 13 years. 13 years. And about the time was he, he was in prison. Moses waited for 40 years. 40 years in the palace, 40 years in the desert. And only the last 40 years he served the Lord. David waited for 12 years. Great saints of the Bible had to wait for answered prayer. Moses went up to Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments. He waited for six days before God began to speak to him. Jeremiah waited for ten days before receiving an answer. Daniel, you read Daniel chapter 9, he prayed. You know how long he has to wait for before his, his, his prayer was answered? 21 days. And there he talks about the... Uh, Thank you very much, Jai. Thank you, dentist. You know only sea teeth, huh? you offer water. <coughs> Thank you very much. The fact is, here's the fact. God is not slow. He is patient. God always acts slowly. Can you imagine the time where Adam time until New Testament when Jesus comes? How many thousands of years? He has to wait for the history to pan out. God is patient, the exile and all that, he has to wait. God is, isn't slow. He is patient. Mark this. He waits out of mercy. He didn't wait out of impotence. He waits out of mercy. He waits. He is. So that's the unavoidable truth that you do embed it into your heart that God isn't slow in answering your prayer. He is patient. Sometimes unanswered prayers opens the door to something far better that your finite mind cannot comprehend. Second point that I want to give to you is that waiting for unanswered prayer builds a mature heart. My friend, your heart can never grow by accumulating more knowledge. Your Christian life, your inner life will never grow by accumulating more knowledge. Inner life will grow only through trials, through crises, through failures, through difficult times in our life. We experience most of God through difficulties. Your heart will never grow because you went to Bible college. Your mind only grows. And sometimes, if not careful, you become self-righteous, you become proud if your heart didn't grow. If this part grow, this one didn't grow, you're in trouble. 
you are in deep trouble if only here grow but not your heart. And heart grow by experiencing struggles. Your heart will never grow, never, 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 never grow from accumulating more knowledge. Never. The story of Joseph tells us that God used the 13 years. He used the long grinding years in prison to teach Joseph patience and dependence. God placed Joseph in a waiting room and left him there until some very valuable lessons had been learned. God taught Joseph to wait on the Lord and to trust in the Lord in spite of the situation at hand. Do you remember after he received the visions, interpret the dreams about the cupbearers and the bakers? And then when the cupbearers was eventually, both of them were released, he told the cupbearer and said, please tell Pharaoh that I was here not because of any crime. Would you please whisper a word since I helped you, you whisper a word to Pharaoh so that Pharaoh will also release me. At that time, he was 28 years old. And he waited for another two years before the cupbearer, ah, remember, but it's not coincidence. It's not coincidence. It's because God had allowed it for Joseph to stay in prison for another two years because he is not ready to become the prime minister yet. He still needs some more time and God allows it. God allows it to happen so that when we, we, we two more years for training, not easy to be a leader, when we accept ourselves for what we are, the two years is important, isn't it? We decree, we decrease our hunger for power or the acceptance of others because of our self-intimacy reinforces our inner sense of security. We are no longer preoccupied with being powerful or popular. We no longer fear criticism because we accept the reality of our human limitations. Once integrated, we are less often plagued with the desire to please others because simply being true to ourselves brings lasting peace. We are grateful for the life and we deeply appreciate and we love each other. You become true to yourself. And so waiting for unanswered prayer builds a mature heart. We live in a skin-deep world. Our culture glorifies external. Character and substance are shaped in the crucible of adversity. Show me someone who lives a carefree life with no problems or trials or dark nights of the souls and I will show you a shallow person. Unless there is a pain in the formula, we'll never stop to listen carefully to what God is listening. And so grow heart is when you wait, when you wait, when you wait, when you wait, that is where our inner life will grow. Charles Spurgeon said, I bear witness that I owe more to the fire and the hammer and the file than to anything else in my Lord's workshop. I sometimes question whether I have ever learned anything except through the rod. When my schoolroom is darkened, I see most. So when you are in the darkest moment of your life, 
that's the time probably you learn the most and you're most closest to the Lord. There's a story about the Lord appeared in a dream to a man. He showed him a very large rock and he charged this man to push against the rock with all of his might. For many years, this man toiled from sunrise to sunset, just shoulders set squarely against the cold, massive surface of the unmoving rock, pushing it with all his might. And each night, the man returned to his cabin, sore and worn out, feeling that his whole day had been spent in vain. And one day, the devil whispered and placed thoughts into the man's weary mind and said this, you have been pushing against the rock for a long time and the rock hasn't bowed. Why kill yourself over this? You are never going to move it. Give up. The man agreed. I'll just put in my time, giving just the minimum effort, and that will be good enough. But the man was wise enough, he took his concern to the Lord as well. He said, Lord, I have labored long and hard in your service, putting all my strength to do which you have asked. Yet after all this time, I have not been able to move the rock even one inch. What is wrong? Why am I failing? And then the Lord responded compassionately. He said, my son, when I asked you to serve me with all your strength, which you have done, never once did I mention to you that I expected you to move it. Your task was to push. And now you come to me with your strength spent, thinking that you have failed. But is that really so? Look at yourself. Look at how strong your arm is now. Look at your back, now brown. Look at your legs. have become massive and hard and strong. Through opposition, you have grown much and your abilities now surpass that which you used to have. Yet you haven't moved the rock. But your calling was to be obedient and to push and to exercise your faith and trust in my wisdom. So sometimes waiting, you think nothing is happening. But in that whole process, God is actually molding and shaping you unbeknowing to you that you have grown over time and then you realize that your situation may be exactly the same but somehow you have the peace and has the courage to confront it but before that you don't have so God answered a greater prayer and that is changing you waiting for an answered prayer builds a mature heart our hearts can never grow just by accumulating knowledge never Number three, waiting for unanswered prayer builds your trust in God and His Word. While waiting for prayer, it builds your trust in God, not just only in God answering your prayer. You become drawn closer to God. You build your trust in God and His Word. And I, I flip through the pages of the Bible. I find no story in the Bible more encouraging of an unanswered prayer than the Apostle Paul. Let me just read this to you uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 uh, that he pleaded with the Lord to remove the thorn in his flesh but God said no, no, no three times, no, no, 
No. He had an amazing experience. He told the people because he was under severe criticism. For, you know, they always think that apostle must be someone who sees vision, must be able to perform miracles and all that. And so there's this group of people criticizing Paul. He, he, he has none of all these things. How can he be an apostle? Paul said, all right, I'm going to reveal this to you then. I actually have, but I just didn't tell you because I don't want to boast. But if I have to, then I'll tell you this. Even we, while he's telling them this boasting, he kind of still hold back. This is what he said. I must go on boasting, although there is nothing to be gained, he says. I will go on to visions and revelation from the Lord. Okay, you say I have to see vision. I'll tell you what I've seen. I know a man. See, even when he's talking about himself, he's still used third person. He said, I know a man. He's referring to another person. He's himself. He said, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know, but God knows. And I know this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise. He was caught up to heaven. And he heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, he says. But I will not boast about myself except what? About my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth, he said. But I refrain. So no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. See how humble Paul is? I don't want people to think more of me or because of my this experience. I don't want, he said. Or because of this surpassing great revelation. Therefore, he knows why God didn't answer his prayer. He gave his own answer. Discerning people knows that. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. He said, why God is not... He, he has this thorn in the flesh that he believed that God planted this thorn in the flesh in his life. What is this thorn in the flesh? We don't know. Scholars have debated numerous times. They give a lot of suggestions. And the most probable answer is the problem with his eye. Because remember, he was blinded for three days when he saw the lights in Acts chapter 9. And he has this problem with his eyes. And therefore, uh, he often asks God to heal his pain, heal his eye, so that he can do more work for the Lord. He said, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. And interestingly, he said, God gave him this thorn of flesh is what? is in order to keep me from becoming conceited. He said, I know my heart. I may, be, I may be proud. I may only depend on my own abilities that I won't depend on the Lord. He said, to prevent me from being conceited or proud, God has planted this thorn in my flesh to torment me. He said, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Now think of that last sentence. My power is made perfect in weakness. It means Christ's powers can only come and make perfect in you if you come to Him in weakness. Then none of me, all of you, Lord. 
And Christ's power then can flow through you when you come to Him in weakness. It's just like someone who is drowning. If you try to save someone who is drowning, it's very hard if they are not coming. If they try to struggle too much, you can't really get the job done. But if the person just come, trust the person, I think the rescuer can do a better job. My power can make only perfect, can manifest through you in perfection only through weakness because my grace is sufficient for you. And then he went on and said, because of that, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, I delight in insult, in persecution, in hardship, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then only I am strong. Paul pleaded with the Lord three times, but God said, No, Paul, I cannot grant you request, because if I granted you the request, I might lose you. You might become so proud and depend on your own power and strength that you will abandon me and you will be only using your own power. And because of that, I cannot grant you this request simply because I love you. Three times he said, I pleaded with the Lord. The Lord said, no! My grace is sufficient for you. I cannot grant you this request. I cannot. So Oscar Wilde uh, dictum become true. If God wants to punish us, He will answer our prayers. But God loves us so much, sometimes He has to withhold and say no. Unanswered prayer sometimes happens to the very best of Christians. And when it happens, it is humanly unexplainable. And when it happens, God has a higher purpose in mind. He has this right. Joni Erickson, if you don't know her, when I was 17 years old, I watched the movie. She was 17 years old and she went swimming and then she jumped and she was paralyzed, quadriplegic. Uh, she's still, still alive and she's doing a fantastic ministry. She married one Japanese-American, uh, fantastic uh, couple, doing tremendous amount of work. And this is her prayer. This is what she said, Lord Jesus, the weaker I am in this wheelchair, the harder I lean on you. And the harder I lean on you, the stronger I discover you to be. Keep my heart strong, my soul stirred, my vision clear, and my enthusiasm fresh to help others know you this way. Help me to boast in my affliction so that others might delight in theirs. Your power and peace is worth it all, and your glory worth more. Jesus, in short, I would rather be in this chair knowing you this way than on my feet without you. And at journey's end, may I testify one more time that your grace was enough. And this person understand that. So when we, unanswered prayer not just only mature us, unanswered prayer builds our trust in God and His Word. We're beginning to draw closer to God and not no longer the answer that we seek for. Just God. Can you imagine your children only come to you when they want something from you? That would be terrible, isn't it? Which parents would want their children only come to them because they want something from them? Maybe their kids are right, but adults, parents just long for our children, just spend time together. 
you know, instead of just asking for things. And so it's the same. It's the same. It builds our trust. So when we wait upon the Lord, we become drawn closer to the Lord, the answer becomes irrelevant sometimes because you trust that God loves you, God knows the best, He has the best for you, and I can trust Him for that. And I leave the result to Him because my finite mind has limitation. I think, I reason that this is my best, but that's not the case because our fallen nature, our reasoning is also fallen. If you are born sinner, every faculty of your lives are fallen. Emotionally, intellectually, physically, we are fallen. Therefore, we die. And intellectually, we reason wrongly as well. As wise as we are, we reason wrongly. We have to submit our own reasoning to the authority of God's Word. Authority of God's Word comes first. My reason think like that, but God's Word say like that. I come under the authority of God's Word. I allow God's Word to take preceding precedence over my own reasoning because our intellectual faculty has fallen. And some Christians, even in the issue of same-sex marriage, has allowed their own personal reasoning to rise above scripture position. I feel compassionate very much too. But I think at the end of the day, I like to believe that God's word is above my own reasoning and I submit myself to the authority of God's word, however my own feeling take the course of action that I want it to be. So waiting is submitting to the authority of God's word. Thirdly, fourthly, waiting for unanswered prayer refines your motives. Did you know that prayer is the process of almost like making decision? It's a decision-making process. That when you pray to God, when you have certain challenges ahead of you, you pray to God. But actually when you are praying, you are actually thinking about it and making decisions. And in that process, God begins to refine your motives, purifies your motives. Why are you asking that? And you realize that sometimes when you go through this process, you didn't get what you want. And not only you didn't get what you want, you actually don't need any more what you want. Like Paul, for example... He asked God, he said, well, after three times, he accepts. He said, after I believe, I now know that God knows because if he answers my prayer, I may become conceited, I may become proud, I may not become the apostles to the Gentiles, I may become so, my head becomes so big. Maybe. And so, when I, when I begin my Christian journey as a young Christian, I... I want a God who acts on my schedule, bends on His will to mine, does everything I ask, claim it, believe it, you know, get some people to agree with you. If He doesn't give me what I want, when I want, then I'll quit. Then God is not worth believing in. And the question then we want to ask is, do we serve Jesus because He serves us by answering our prayer? Or do we serve Him because we are hopelessly devoted to Him because we love Him even if He never answered another prayer? Do you not love your parents even they cannot do anything for you anymore or refuse to do anything for you? Sometimes it is better for us if our prayers are not answered immediately. Sometimes it is better if they are not answered at all. And the great question is not how can I get my prayers answered? The great question should be what will it take to draw me closer to God? When I'm drawn closer to God, when I, when I get to know God's heart and all that, the answer becomes irrelevant because I know that God will 
have my best interest at heart. So waiting upon for an answer prayer refines your motives. Consider these words attributed to a civil war soldier who died in the battle. This is what he prayed. He said, I ask God for strength that I might achieve. But I was made weak that I might learn humbly to obey. I asked for health that I might do greater things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of man. I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing I asked for, but everything I had hoped for. Almost despite myself, my unspoken prayers were answered. I am among men most richly blessed. It is a great advance in spiritual understanding to be able to say, I got nothing I asked for, but everything I had hoped for. Isn't it beautiful? I had nothing. I got nothing I asked for. But I got everything that I had hoped for. Because God answers us in a very spectacular way. That we don't even know what is good for us. That God has to bring us to an environment or a situation to let us recognize that is the best for you. You may not think so. But God said, I think so. I know you. That's best for you. Just like parents giving advice to children, as fallen and as finite that like we are as parents, we think sometimes that's best for our children too, isn't it? But of course, we are not God, therefore we sometimes fail. Uh, we, we fail in a sense. We think that we advise them to take certain costs it's the best for them because of the current situation they can get a better job and all that we give them the best advice but we can't predict what will change what, what will turn event will change world event will change we don't know so even as parents we have the best interest of heart of our children we, we, we make those decisions but, but God is not like that God knows all things uh, and all that so those are the four answers that I want to give to you about unanswered prayer but let me just move on now with the little time that I have what to do when your prayers are not answered? What to do when your sincere prayers are not answered? Number one, I think you should keep on praying as long as you can. Sometimes God's answers are delayed for reasons beyond our knowledge. Who can really say why a prayer which has been uttered 9,999 times, God cannot answer on the 10,000 times? Haven't we heard of testimony where people stand up and say, I prayed for salvation of my husband or my wife or my children or whatever for 50 years, 60 years, and now she comes to know the Lord or he comes to know the Lord. Uh, keep on praying as long as you can. I preached the same sermon in the first service and while I was having a cup of coffee, this gentleman came to me. But Paul only prayed for three times. Shouldn't we stop after three times if we know that God is not going to answer? I think Paul gave us an example. Three times will do. If God said no three times, then stop. 
I say, yeah, why not? I say, if you have certain discernment, and Paul has the discernment to even know why God is not answering his prayer. That's the best. If you have the discernment that why God is not, maybe your motive has refined already at the time, you know, you know why God is not answering your prayer, then stop. Why not? Why not? You think that God has the best for you. But there's no harm if you don't know. If you still don't know, keep on praying, keep on persisting. Because the Bible while talks about we need to have a seat like a master's, fail like a master's seat. He also keeps us to keep persevering in prayer in the story of the persistent person in uh, the gospel. So keep on praying as long as you can. However, the number of times, keep on trusting the Lord, keep on praying unless you have certain discernment from the Lord to ask you to stop well God say well that's not answer is not for you it's time to stop otherwise keep praying you don't know number two accept God has the right to say no while in the ultimate sense God already has that right whether you acknowledge it or not but if you never acknowledge that God has the right to say no to you you will be filled with anger you'll be filled with despair you'll be filled with frustration why God is not answering my prayer like Calvin and Hobbes you know no except God has the right to say no God is sovereign accept it God, that's the battle you never win. How much wiser it is to say, Lord, I'm praying this prayer from the bottom of my heart, but even as I pray, I confess that you have the right to say no if that's what you think is best. You sleep well at night when you learn to pray like that. When I go to hospital to pray for people who are sick, I pray for healing, but I also pray that God will grant the person peace. I cannot know the mind of God. God knows. God can use circumstances to bring greater glory. I don't know. Oswood Chamber used to say, well, if I can glorify God more through suffering, then God let me suffer. Because His ultimate desire is to glorify God. Even Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane, on the eve of His going to the cross, He prayed, isn't it? He said, Lord, if it is possible for me to redeem the world without having to me of dying on the cross, would you please show me another way? Is it possible to remove this cup from me, the cup of suffering? Is there plan B of redeeming the world? Or is it only plan A that I have to die on the cross? But yet not as my will, but yours. Jesus, as a functionally as a son of the Holy Trinity, he relinquished his right on the same level as God the Father. Because functionally as a son, he knows he submits his authority to God the Father and say, Well, not as my will, but as yours. Let God be God in your life. Give him the right to say no, which you can be sure that it is far better than his yes. God's no is far better than the yes that you long for sometimes. Thirdly, lastly, keep on doing what you know to be right. If your prayers are unanswered, don't be despaired, don't be disillusioned, don't be discouraged. Keep on doing what you know 
you be right. In the darkness of unanswered prayer, you may be tempted to give up on God. You may feel like throwing in the tower and checking out of the Christian life. But what good will that do? If you turn away from God, where will you go? Keep on praying. Keep on believing. Keep on reading the scripture. Keep on obeying. Keep on following the Lord. If you stay on course in the darkness, eventually the light will shine again. And you will be glad that you did not turn away in the moment of disappointment. Stay on the course. Keep on doing what you know to be right. Don't be so easily disheartened. Don't be so easily discouraged. In my Christian journey as a pastor, I have seen too many people quit the race. Too many people. Too many people quit the race, throwing the towel. Easily. Easily clean the towel. But stay on the course. Stay on course. Keep on keeping on. So those are the three things that I will suggest you to do when your prayers are unanswered. In closing, let me say this story about this man called Thomas Mastonch. Every Sunday, the 88-year-old boy, 88-year-old man, together with his wife of 87 years old, two of them will walk their short distance from their home to the church. And as they walk from their home to the church, they will push a wheelchair. Seated on the wheelchair was their 60-year-old son, afflicted since birth with cerebral palsy. And in those 60 years, there had never been a single night that Thomas Mason was not up six times to help his son. Throughout his life, he has, not, he has had countless troubles. He was down with all sorts of diseases towards the end of his life. But out of his latest pain, he wrote his 21st book. And the title of his 21st book, Walking Like, his, Walking like He Walked. And he will be the first to say that his wisdom is directly related to the power and the presence of God that has come to his right maturity through his own weakness. Sometimes we come to life's crossroads and we view what we think is the end. But God has a much wider vision and he knows that it's only a bend. The road will go on and get smoother. And after we have stopped for a rest, the path that lies hidden beyond us is often the path that is best. So rest and relax and grow stronger. Let go and let God share your load and have faith in a brighter tomorrow. You just come to a bend in the road. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you love us and you know what's best for us.